Strive to enter through the narrow gate, Jesus says. I think for us, we need to acknowledge that that can be summed up in the gospel as live a life of gratitude for the gifts that God has given us. The letter to the Hebrews in our second reading talked about enduring the trials of life as a type of spiritual discipline. And as I was reflecting upon that this week, uh, certainly in light of the, uh, the last couple of weeks we've been uh, treated to the Olympics, uh, all the activities going on there and looking at the great accomplishments of so many different athletes. And you have to wonder, as St. Paul acknowledged in his own writings, how disciplined athletes are to get to the peak of their uh, sports, to prepare. They do strict diets. They do all sorts of hours and hours and hours of exercise. And it's interesting, that type of discipline should be considered for our spiritual life as well. Now, we learned how to endure that kind of discipline from our lives growing up. I know the Olympics always at this time tends to inspire me to get out and do a little bit more exercise, especially the older I get and the more I realize, oh, the body's not working quite as well as it used to. Uh, But there's still something about seeing the activity going on that's like, you should be off the couch and doing some more of this. Um, In fact, I can even see my cross-country coach from high school is here, and uh, I have to say thank you to him and the other coaches for actually giving me that, uh, that great uh, training early in life of what it means to run and be an athlete. Uh, I ran cross-country in high school. And, you know, the training is difficult for long-distance running. Uh, and it's not easy to master on your own. Practically no sport is easy to master truly on your own. You need the input and advice of coaches and teachers to point out the way because they can look at your performance and see how things are going and, and acknowledge your good strides, but also say you should be improving your strides in this other way. That advice is, is completely helpful because later in life you learn those lessons and you apply it going forward. So with the Olympics going on, I tried to go out and start running again. I actually ran three times this week, was rather impressed with that. But those first couple runs... I could feel that my form just wasn't where it used to be. And I could hear the old lessons coming back. Pick your hands up in a certain way. Make sure your knees are going up. Lean forward up to the hills. All these kind of things. Those lessons stay with us, and they, they, they transform our life. And even if we can't feel it in our bodies how to get back there, our minds have been taught, and they know the way to go. There's, a, there's something pointing us in the right way. The narrow gate. The narrow gate should give us some cause to stand up and pay attention. Uh, Because, you know, the question that, that led to that answer, Jesus, how many will enter eternal life? Will only a few enter eternal life? Jesus didn't answer with a vague answer. He didn't answer in a vague way. He said, strive to enter through the narrow gate. What is the narrow gate but himself? Jesus the Christ, the Son of God. Now, different generations have approached that question in different ways. Uh, Father Robert, or actually Bishop Robert Barron now, 
uh, in his blog post, Word on Fire, for this weekend's homily, he noticed that the generations, say, a little bit older than I, uh, my parents' generation, would have looked at that question and said, yeah, to enter the narrow gate needs a strict regimen because only a few will get in. God's kind of a demanding God, and they looked at it that way, and they said the moral life requires this strict following of all these laws and, and rules. And taken to the extreme, that leads to a kind of paranoia, is what Bishop Barron said. And in a sense, that's true. If we uh, reduce the gospel simply to a strict rule book, that seems too difficult to observe, almost impossible, and we leave it at that, then, yeah, we're going to wear ourselves out trying to achieve the impossible because that gospel seems unattainable. And the more we try and the less we seem to get there, the less motivation we'll have to keep doing the exercise of spiritual life. The more recent generations, though, have taken a different take on that. And perhaps it's because of the struggle they saw their parents going through to go through these what seemingly look like spiritual hoops and hurdles. The more recent generation has said, well, you know, taught by the catechists early in life, God is love. God is all-merciful. And they draw the conclusion, well, if God is all-love and God is all-merciful, he completely understands my faults and failings in life. And that's true. He does understand them. But where we tend to make a mistake is giving ourselves the liberty then to say, well, if God's all-love and merciful, he completely understands, then, ah, I'm really off the hook. I don't have to go out and run the race. I'm just going to live my life the way I want to live it, not worry about what's coming next, not worrying about life eternal, and just, you know, satisfying my comfort in this life. If I don't like something, I'll try and avoid it. If I can't change it, uh, if I can change it, I'll try and do what I can to do that. That's missing the gospel as well. And that's reducing God, in a sense, uh, to something that I can control and limit and have really no impact on my life after the point of I've decided that God is just mercy and love. No, the gospel is inviting us to something, and it's that narrow gate to recognize in Jesus Christ not just that God is merciful or that he's forcing a strict rule on us, but that there's a person involved, a person who wants to be encountered by us, a person who in our hearts desire to encounter. If we really step back and look, our hearts desire the encounter with God because that's the only way to eternal life. Our hearts might know that even if our minds have sort of tuned it out. And if we experience sort of spiritual struggle in our life, probably it's because of that tuning out more than anything else. So to enter the narrow gate, we need to come in contact with this person who's desired to be contacted by us, to experience us. And he's given us the way to do that through the Eucharist, which is, as I mentioned and I started the homily, our eternal thanksgiving to God. He's called us together. He's made us a people inspired by his Holy Spirit to return the thanksgiving for the life that we've received to God. And he's given us through this nourishment for the spiritual life and indeed even strength 
to endure the trials that come. The spiritual life is full of ups and downs. I can't hide that. We know suffering in this life. Each and every one of us will experience some great trial. But the thing is, with Christ going before us to the cross and superseding that cross by the gift of eternal life, there is no trial anymore that should be cause for fear to us, that should delay us from pursuing Christ where he's, where he's leading us. In fact, we should be keeping him always before us, across the table from us. It's true that the people that we place opposite us as our role models, as those we want to follow, to pursue, tend to be the one whose lives our lives start to look like. Who's across the table from you in your daily life? Do they bear resemblance to Christ? Are they helping you encounter Jesus Christ more deeply? Or are they among those who've sort of tuned out the call of God in our life to live differently in this world because of Christ? To live in a way that is worthy of a son or daughter of God. Charity for others. Service. Seeking of justice when we see the realities of injustice. Not just saying it's not my problem or I'm just reading it in the newspaper, but saying I have a part to play in this world to bring the justice and peace of God. And the way we do that, keep the life of Jesus before us, the life of gratitude, the life of mercy. He didn't come out with guns blazing in the world. To counter evil and sin, he spoke the truth and he offered his life for his friends. For us to bring about peace and justice in this world, we need to see each other as friends, as people who have a dignity that comes from God, people whose lives are sacred, even those who speak and act in ways that we would not immediately choose to do or follow, especially those who are acting contrary to the gospel, abusing other people, bringing about great injustice in our world, violence, evil. But we need to see them as human beings, lost, perhaps, from the trail of what is good, lost, perhaps, in their vision of what God is and how to find him, but people, nonetheless, worthy of dignity who should not, uh, at our hands, suffer any more. We need to be people of service and love. And to do that, again, be grateful for the gift of life. Don't spoil the gift that you've been given. If you're on a spiritual couch and you need a little bit of exercise, find it. Find the people who are living it boldly and courageously and pursue the way they're pursuing if you don't know who those are in our world today, then read the lives of the saints, because their examples are vivid and real. 
real people who lived in real times of difficulty and challenge, who'd never failed to live out the gospel call. The narrow gate. There's not a simple answer to say only a few or everyone are in the kingdom of heaven. Enter through the narrow gate, Jesus says. Come to me. And to each and every one of you, Jesus has made a personal and individual call. Will you hear it? And will you respond to it? And if you're having trouble hearing it, ask God to clear your heart and mind to be open to the call that he's making in your life. And he can do that here at this altar of the Lord's sacrifice. He lays down his life in one sacrifice for us to reveal the full depth of God's love to the point of death, bringing for us the hope of eternal life in the resurrection. May we have the courage to follow our Lord in a life of love and service and to remember that even being able to say thank you for the trials of life because with Christ they have found new meaning. They are shaping us for eternal life.